Good morning, Jerry. Well, good morning, Brother John. How are you doing today? Feeling very, very good. Hmm. Glad to hear that. I'm, yep. I'm doing doing pretty well myself. Got a decent night's sleep, maybe too much. You know how that goes. Yeah, that could happen. It does. Mm. It's an old age problem. Mm. All right. So, hey, you know, there there are probably some new listeners. We should give them the word. The word is that we're brothers, actual biological brothers. Same yes. mother, same father. My name's mm-hmm. Jerry. What's your What's your name? My name is John. Ah, thanks. Thanks for Good. asking. Good. You're welcome. I, I called the right number. This is working out better and better. Hey, we yep. talk about four things every Saturday morning. Mm. And those four things are, number one, we talk about an animal. The animal is based on the season that we're in. We have six-month seasons. This is the season of the tiger. Ooh. So we're going to have a tiger story. So get used to the idea. All right? Secondarily, we have a word. And the word is one that came up during our research process, usually. Thirdly, we have two takes on a main topic. Yep. Fourth, fourth, we have two groaners. They mm. are dad, dad jokes, bad jokes. Yes. That's it. That's yeah. us. It's, it's what we do. It's enough. We also, we also have a sponsor. We do have a sponsor. Hey, by oh, the we way. Also, we also wear T-shirts. And by the way, what are you wearing above your belt. Oh, I'm not even wearing a belt, so let's not go there. Okay, February season of the rat. Ooh, that was a good year. Those were the that, those were the seasons. That was a good one. Yeah, a good good T-shirt also stamp mm-hmm. of approval mm-hmm. for that one. Mm. Stamp, so to speak, because we got the picture <laughs> off of the stamp. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I like this. I like this T-shirt. I like the fabric a lot. Perfect weather Ooh, for it. Feel good. It's thin and it's soft. Yep. That's a good combination. Right. It is. Speaking of thin and soft, talk to me about the cat rescue. Cat well, rescue. I'll tell you what. I got a good segue into that because, you see, okay. I am wearing – this is an official news breaking. I am oh. wearing the I Am Not a Pet Big Cat Rescue T-shirt. Oh, my God. So as That's a result, very timely, very timely, actually. Yes. So with that, I can give a story that severely endorses, gives a high, a high five to our sponsor, because you see, I ordered this shirt a couple of weeks ago. And when I ordered it, I was given the incorrect shirt. And mm-hmm. I thought, now let's see if this nonprofit organization does does the does more than the talk. It starts doing the walk. And Ooh. sure enough, I sent them an email. Did they respond with respect to an email, a text message? No. How did they respond? They delivered me yesterday the correct T-shirt. Oh, you got to love that. I so like right it when now, they don't, don't respond. I like it when they don't respond. All they do is send the goods. Yeah, they send you, they deliver. Mm. That is exactly what happened. So as a result, we do have a sponsor, which I can say with much more proud pride and ease of, of giving them the thumbs up, Big Cat Rescue. And Big Ooh. Cat Rescue is an organization which mission is to find suitable homes 
for cats that have been abused in a variety of ways, whether they've gotten old, whether they have been working at circuses, or maybe quite often, you know, people illegally buy little uh, tiger cubs thinking, well, they're cute. We can pet them. But guess what? Those animals grow up. And when they grow up, what do we do with them? Well, they basically cage them up, don't treat them properly, don't feed them properly. And these become excellent candidates for this wonderful organization, which began doing their work in 1992. They're a nonprofit, 501c3, and they've received numerous awards, and they also have incredible service. And maybe you can talk a little bit about some of that swag that you can get from this organization. First of all, check out our show notes. We've got three links. We've got a link so you can find out about the organization. We've got a link so you can make a donation. We've got a link so you can buy a T-shirt like my brother John did. Mm. And the T-shirts are many. Variety of sizes, shapes, women's uh, variety of types. Yeah, you can can find Mm. something. They've got other stuff, too. I would say they're all that stuff. Yeah, they're full-service swag Mm. uh, joint. Yeah, full service. And that's one of our criteria. Let's just be honest. When we choose a nonprofit as a as a sponsor, that's one of the criteria. It is? Yep. Hey, you ready for the tiger story? Yeah, our tiger story, it, it you know, when you kind of look at it from a, a distance, you you might be tempted to smile, maybe even give a little little laugh or a little giggle, but then when you take a look at it more closely, it's a good example of what of of what we don't like about the fact, and the, and the good reason for keep not making these animals pets, it's illegal in most states to have a tiger as a pet. However, uh, a person of notoriety for not only his uh, his sport prowess, but also his having a cat, Mike Tyson, mm-hmm. uh, youngest heavyweight champion, uh, boxing champion in the world. He he ended up getting the title at the age of 20 back in 1986. And but by the the early 90s, Mike had 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 some tough times. And what happened was he was on the phone while he was uh, serving a stretch in the big house of three years and was trying to to get a car. But he found out that his car dealer also had a side biz of selling exotic animals. So Mm -hmm. Mike ended up buying a, uh, a cat. So here he is. He's in jail for doing something wrong. And what is he doing while he's in jail? He continues something wrong. wrong. Yes, by buying a, a tiger. Wrong. Yeah. Tigers. He actually bought several tigers. And mm-hmm. so he ended up keeping these tigers for at least one of them, Kenya, uh, for over six for 16 years. And as we take a look, there are plenty of pictures of Mike out there with his tiger. Uh, he seemed to befriend it and was very – and the tiger, they got along very, very well. So everybody thinks, well, this is a feel-good story. Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. Mm. Not quite. And well, you know, like, I, I need to speak up. I need to speak up here because I think my you're the animal man. I think what's going on here is this is a comfort animal for Mike. I think this is this is like those dogs that that therapy. help people with PTSD. It's a therapy tiger. Mm. Okay, I just want to say that right. much. That's it. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, well, I I do believe that. So what happens is that uh, somebody says, well, Mike, uh, you know, after 16 years, where's your tiger? He says, well, got old, had trouble hearing. His eyes were kind of going blind. He's going blind. Eyesight was failing. And one day somebody jumped, a lady jumped over the fence at his place wanting to pet the tiger. And 
Mike, I think, was embellished a bit and says, yeah, Tiger tore off her arm. I think that was a little bit. But she was severely injured. Yeah, she was severely injured. She was injured, yeah. And so Mike had to get rid of it. But it just shows that, uh, you know, these Tigers uh, are not meant to be caged. They're not meant to be, you know, be tethered with a chain. Uh, They are meant to roam in their their habitat, which they're used to. And so uh, I just want to point out that even what would appear to be the best of circumstances as a pet, it did it, it kind of went haywire on them. So Ooh. Ooh. yeah, so that's the story. Mike is, I think, uh, t- uh, typically, you know, Mike has got a lot of whims and, and craziness that he does. But uh, I'm glad to see at least he's he's out of jail, and he doesn't seem to. He, be he's not just out of jail. He's he's passing on his wisdom, his lessons learned to the younger generation. Yeah. That's good. That's so, good. Um, Great know, interview about times. this. Great interview about this. If you don't like to read and you like to watch. Uh, Joe Rogan did an excellent interview with Mike Tyson, and they talk about all this stuff. And, you know, if you want to see Mike with a tiger, you can also watch Hangover. Hangover 1 uh, features Mike Tyson's tiger. It's not actually his tiger. Yeah, but good good point. Let's 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 take that urban yeah. legend and, and yeah. demystify it. Yeah, yeah, so. might as well. Uh, yeah, okay. Mike. He's one of my heroes. I mean, in a weird way, you know, he's like an, not an anti-hero, but he's like an unhero. He's, you know, like the seven up of colas, you know, he's, he's the guy. He's the guy who said, John, here's his best quote, just a little throw of a bone here. He said, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Life's lessons through boxing. Yeah, I just love that. And you immediately feel the truth of that, right? Yeah, that's good. I mean, I mean yeah. Yeah, that's Mike's truth. I, I think you do one hey. of those uh, for your soul type books, you know. Oh, chicken, chicken soup for the soul, yeah. Yeah, boxing <laughs> for the soul. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, let's get hey, we got a word. We got a word. We got, we got a word. Our word is mycology. M-Y-C-O-L-O-G-Y. Mycology. Okay. It's the okay. practice of biology that specializes and deals with the study of mushrooms, fungi, quite often referred. Yeah. So fungi. here's a, an example sentence. Psilocybin, which is a, a psychedelic drug, a compound produced from more than 200 species of fungi, has made mycology very popular. Uh, found this in, a, um, in an article in Scientific American called Research Ramps Up on Magic Mushrooms. I have a little bit of background on mushrooms because I lived in uh, Berwyn, which is considered like a, a hobby uh, enclave or capital of the Chicago where people, you know, look for mushrooms, the ones that you stay yeah. on stakes. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I lived a, a good part of my life out there and watch people, you know, very secretly get up in the morning, going to their special spots and uh, basically finding mushrooms. So that's our word, mycology, and it's going to fit very well as we segue into our two takes because we're going to be mentioning mushrooms a little bit more as we take a look at our two takes. That's the segue, and what the topic is is how to change your mind, and that is the name of not only a film that's currently on Netflix – but it all starts back in 2008 when a bestseller, New York Times bestseller book by a guy by the name of Michael Pollan, who is a uh, – I would call him an environmental journalist. 
he his, his, his specialty up to the point of this 2008 book called How to Change Your Mind was researching and talking about food and the and how it and, and health and how the two are connected. But Michael got really uh, got his claim to fame when he wrote this book called How to Change Your Mind. And what it is, it talks about, it takes a look at, at the history of four different drugs, at least the, the movie does, uh, LSD, mm-hmm. psilocybin, MDA, MDMA, which is often referred to as molly or ecstasy, and musculine, musculine. Uh, yeah. Actually, I, yeah, I looked up a couple of different uh, pronunciations, but let's not get into those deeds. Oh, Peyote oh, okay. is another one. So I did find one that calls it mescaline, but that's okay. Uh, okay. Hey, so what do we got here? What we've got is we got a, a, a fella, Michael is in his mid-60s, who had, through a dinner conversation, whatever, had got, been intrigued by the idea of what effect do these drugs have. And so much research had been done in the history of this of these drugs and recently that he felt there's there's got to be something there so yeah. what we have is we got a four episode documentary it, and michael is the producer of it in addition to the fact he's hired on a uh, an oscar nominated uh, doc, uh, uh, director of documentaries to, to to so he's gotten the right people together to pull this off and so we have yeah. a very well produced and on the front end, we can just say that how has it been received by users? It only came out this this last month, eight point two percent out of ten, which is exceedingly 8, 8. good. Eight point two stars? Is it stars? Eight point. It's eight eight point two out of ten. They they never put stars okay. to it. But that but that's uh-huh. all. So we've got these four drugs, and I think what's really interesting, we can talk a little bit about. There's a lot of commonality. But LSD is a, a drug that uh, probably was synthesized by, by, by what was it started with? Uh, a, 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 like it's a mold. Kind of mold, ergot, yeah. Yeah, ergot mold grows on rye and other grains. So Long got history. That. It's got a long history, actually. 19th in the 30s. It goes back to the 30s. we got psilocybin. Oh, ergot mold goes, goes back to the Middle Ages, and it's also, yeah. many people think it's responsible for the Salem witch trials. Oh dear, that's that's yeah. too scary for me. Let's let's, let's move up in time a little bit, if you don't mind. Okay. Psilocybin, uh, mushrooms, uh, is one that's made from a, a natural plant, and there's certain species, as I mentioned in the in the word that we had. So that's the other one, and so that that's uh, that can also be synthesized. So we got MDMA, which Merck, a drug company, uh, found uh, as a, a synthesized drug back in 1912. But really, uh, all these, and we got musculine, which is a a, a, a plant. It's cactus, cacti. Mm. Mm. So, and it's it's something which has been out. So it's from a plant. But mm. in common, all of these things seem to be something which expands when you take them. They have an effect upon your mind, your consciousness. They seem to mm-hmm. open doors in certain ways, in ways we can't even describe. And so the problem that these all these drugs ran into, if you go through it, is that they ran into a period where they were used for recreation rather than mm-hmm. for medicinal purposes. So we had a lot of research done, you know, up through the the, the mid '60s. Then all of a sudden, they were be- being used for recreation, and everybody yeah. knows about the war on drugs. Richard Nixon, mm-hmm. late '60s. Yeah. So all of you, all of a sudden, what you these all these these uh, substances have in common is the fact that they are considered Schedule One um, substances that are banned 
in the U.S. Mm. So mm. what does that do? That makes the above ground research become below ground and slowed up because you don't have the money, the resources in order to do it. So what are the medical, what are the benefits of, of these drugs? Well, the, the, the Netflix four episode series talks a little bit about the various ways it helps people with a variety of mental health issues. Issues such as OCD, PT, PTSD, uh, addiction, yeah. uh, fear of death, uh, yep. a, a variety of things. I think the most amazing thing about this is that we often think about the way to treat these illnesses. We think about it in terms of taking opioids treatment. In other words, yeah. they'll, they'll, the treatments cloud the issue. They don't erase the issue. They don't address directly address the issue. They numb you so you can't feel the symptoms. And before you know yeah. it, you need more because you build up a resistance to it. And one of the problems that these the, that the psychedelic drugs address is addiction. And one of the things opioids do is they create the addiction. Yep. So as a result, what we have is we have uh, a, a uh, these treatments do not they basically just dance around the problem. They don't address it. I'd like to say the fact that the the, the what these drugs do is they go more towards the cure side of it. They, they do. directly hit. It's you are able to with the drugs is to open up your consciousness to directly see and address your problems. I can't begin to describe in most people, uh, you know, even the people that experience it have yeah. trouble experiencing how, how uh, describing exactly how they work. So that's kind of my read. And I think there are two people that and I one I want you to talk a little bit about is is Hoffman. What's his name? Albert Hoffman. Yeah, Albert Hoffman is what you call the father of all this stuff for so many reasons, not 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 only finding synthesizing, but understanding the medical implications. He took these things the full boat. So maybe you can give a little bit of his background. I think it's incredible. Swedish uh, it chemist. Yeah, uh, Swiss. Uh, Swiss. Yeah. 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 Interesting guy. A very interesting guy. Uh, he was a brilliant uh, researcher. Uh, worked, uh, I think he worked for Sandoz. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. They're a big company. Uh, and, you know, we're suddenly becoming aware of the drug companies because of the companies that helped uh, create the vaccine for, for COVID. But right. these companies have been around for a long time. And he was, he was, what happens is these kinds of researchers that the drug companies have, they, they go fishing for something to solve a problem, you know, uh, whether it's postpartum depression or, you know, other problems. And what they do is they find uh, usually an organic substance that has a history of having an effect. And they say, mm -hmm. can we synthesize what that plant does into a drug and then test it to see if it solves this problem? So he created something with lysergic acid and diethylamide. Yeah. And and he he made several variations of it, like I think 30 or something uh, different variations. And when he got to the 25th variation of lysergic acid diethylamine uh, or LSD, he uh, was handling it and he accidentally got some on his skin. And he didn't realize how potent this, this uh, concoction yeah. was. And he started feeling slightly intoxicated, 
and said, I think I'm going to go home early. Driving his bike home, he <laughs> noticed the the road was going into the sky. <laughs> you know? So he had he was having auditory and visual uh, hallucinations. You know, the the figures on top of the buildings in Switzerland, you know, suddenly became very grotesque, and you know, a lot of things happened to him on the way home. He did make it home, no problem whatsoever. No problem. But, yeah, he he was entertained greatly. So he he you know, basically dealt with all his hallucinations at home, went to sleep, got up the next day and called a meeting. Yeah. Hey, guys, guys. I got, <laughs> I got a story I got for you. Guys. Yeah. So he didn't know what he had, but they did work on synthesizing it, formalizing it, testing it in-house and said, you know, we think this mimics schizophrenia. So we're going to use it to possibly have psychologists treats schizophrenia by introducing an episode and helping them work through it. Yeah. Great idea, right? So yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it's a great, it, it's a great story. And I think it points out that this man was not only discovers the drug, but he also by accident and continues becoming part of his methodology is to basically use the drugs in a very you know, scientific and hopefully safe yeah. way. So that well, was the beginning. That's the beginning. That's the yeah, beginning. That was the beginning. And he not only – then he branched later on into uh, psilocybin, and so he's he's covered more than one of these. And I think one of the things it demonstrates with, as we talk at this point with about LSD is the, is the stigma the, 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 that the drug has is often that it's harmful, in, but the harm lies quite often in the actions that you take by taking the drug, and if it's taken in a medical setting, it – you know, it, it, it's not a problem. So I could see, for example, with a bicycle ride, uh, I, I would kind of hold my breath and say, great, Al, I'm glad you got home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it would be falling off the bicycle that would be the problem. It wouldn't be the drug itself. Uh, yeah, it's fearing that you're going <laughs> to fall off the bicycle is a real problem because, you know, it turns out that people don't have a lot of problems like that, but they go through episodes where they are, paranoid or overly concerned that they will so it's your mind is working in a different manner you're not accustomed to it so you need to manage two things when you test or treat people with these drugs and one one is set and the other is setting mindset and the physical environment you're in if you control those two things then you can have treatment so that is the whole model that's how it works if you if you actually watch these four episodes, there are innumerable examples of how they've had it work. But my favorite, and you pointed out, was the OCD. And what's amazing about OCD is there's there's not even a good treatment for OCD if there is one at all. And tell them what happens with respect to the OCD oh. patient that got was on drugs. What they they gave yeah. a medic. Yeah, yeah, I would call this one out. I agree with you 100% on this one. Uh, by the way, this is not the only treatment you get to watch, and that's the upside of of this this uh, this. It's not a film, actually. It's a limited it's a series. series of, yeah. yeah, but you know, it's it's just incredible. You could read about something and you get a picture in your mind, but get the picture in your mind directly from this film, and you get to watch three or four people go through treatments. And the most dramatic treatment is definitely the OCD patient who's suffering greatly from this disorder. And it's in ruining his family life. The only treatment he has is to muffle the symptoms, which muffle everything else. 
can't relate yeah. to his kid, can't relate to his wife. Jeez. He's not a zombie. He's having a lot of suicidal thoughts. So this is a bad situation. You watch this guy take uh, a drug, a hallucinogenic drug, to counter uh, to allow him to work through this. He takes the treatment. He's part of uh, a treatment that that actually works. And you get to watch him several months later with no episodes. Has had no episodes. This guy is cured, actually cured, and you get to hear him talk about it, and you get to see his face. And the difference in this guy from the beginning to the end of this is dramatic, and it is, as you rightly pointed out, untreatable. He's the guy who has to flick the light switch four or five times before he can leave a room. You yeah. know, So he had it. It was not a <clears> joke. And so, very dramatic. And that's why I would recommend everybody have a look at this. This is an incredibly good, multifaceted series of episodes, four episodes. And I was surprised how quickly it went. It does. It and easy I, watching. I, I, I'd like to point out, as we take a look at the future of these drugs, because as we speak today, these drugs, drugs cannot legally be used to treat. So where do we stand? Where are we going? That, I think, centers around another fellow by the name of Rick Doblin. <clears throat> Rick Doblin did his, P, uh, his Ph.D. at Harvard University. And his thesis was was not only did he have this understanding of the of, of the drugs and his was primarily MDMA or Molly ecstasy. He learned the process by which these drugs could potentially then become used for medicinal purposes. In other words, yeah. dealing with the Food and Drug Administration and they're become un- severe. Become unscheduled. Become unscheduled. Yeah. yeah. And so what he has done is he has spent since 1986, much of his time, and over $150 million, which was all publicly funded, uh, I mean, excuse me, privately funded, and that, and he's been able to get their, in their third stage or final stage of clinical trials. And so he has led the road towards, uh, shows the path by which these drugs will eventually be made, uh, you know, usable as, as a, a medical treatment or medical cure, or what I'd like better call. And I'd just like to say that the last thing that is brought out with this is so important. The world we live in is not becoming uh, – it's becoming more issues of mental health are out there. So as mm. we take a look at things like, uh, you know, the, the virus, looking at climate change, looking at crime, looking at economic inequality, poverty, et cetera, all these broader problems are potentially – can be addressed – a part of the addressing them can be – Using some of these drugs now. That's that is a pie in the sky. It's, it would be it'd be incredibly difficult to implement, but clearly we need something. So yeah, uh, that I, I agree. Would be important too. So yeah, and it's diff- this is a difficult problem because uh, these are one and done kind of drugs. You don't need right. to keep taking them. So that's not a good economic model for capitalism. So that's not going to work well with the drug companies. Uh, but I think they could be convinced. I think everybody's tired of what's going on. And That's so sure. I think, yeah, well, serious topic, but I think it was handled in a good way. Uh, I, I'm glad I talked you out of taking LSD during the episode, John. Like usually, <laughs> yeah, I like to drink beer. <laughs> yeah, you like to drink beer. You like Kavanaugh, you know, but uh, you do that whenever we have a, a, a story that involves a, a brew, an adult beverage, as you call it. But, yeah, I think we made the right decision there. 
by the way. I okay. also like to make one prediction, and that is a prediction. I think this documentary will be nominated for Academy Award. It's you know, there's no yeah I think that uh, you heard it first from me okay and we'll just wow. have to see how this plays out. Uh, okay. Just wanted to mention that. Oh yeah, well, good good prediction. Hey, how how about a groaner or two? Well, let's work on two. Our groaners are provided to us by Vincent Anthony Lauder Jr., commonly referred to as the Coach, and he did a very good job. He came up with two very very good ones. So I'll start with. What do you call a lobster that plays baseball? What do you call a lobster that plays baseball? He has a, he has a specific role or, or a position uh, that he really wow. – he has a skill set. He has a skill set. That's all I got to say. This lobster, he's going to okay. deliver. Oh. He's <laughs> not the bad boy. Uh, the bat boy. Uh, uh, no. No, but, he's uh, – What comes off the bench, though? What comes off the oh he's a pinch hitter <laughs> he's a pinch hitter excellent excellent groaner oh, I got it with a little help from my a little help from my friends huh yeah you didn't have to take any any uh, drugs to get it either that's important oh I oh I, 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 uh oh uh-oh. Well, I, I did I did accidentally take some drugs. coffee was, maybe. Uh, it was some mold I found on my bread. <laughs> okay. Second one. How are tigers like sergeants in the army? How are tigers like sergeants in the army? They growl a lot. Yeah. They more has to do with their... Throw me a bone. Throw you a bone. Well, let, let's just say it has to... Be, uh, the star, what, what is a sergeant? What does a sergeant have? What insignia? What does it weigh? What is, how do you know it's a sergeant? When you take See, a look at it. This is this is my lack of. He scowls, but okay. I'm sure there's something on his uniform. I don't know. About. Yeah, he has stripes. He has three stripes. Oh, one stripe. There yeah, it is. they, they there both is. have stripes. Oh, that's a good one. That is actually yeah. good. Wow. Okay. All good. John, you delivered. Mission accomplished. <laughs>